Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you don't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 1 Kings. The book of 1 Kings and chapter number 18. 1 Kings and chapter number 18. We're in our series of the, of the <coughs> theme of the minute life and ministry of Elijah and Elisha. And as we study these two mighty prophets of God and how God has used them, we can see some wonderful principles as we see each of these stories unfold. We understand that where we left off is that God had sent the prophet Elijah to go into the face of Ahab and say, it's not going to rain until I say. And then he disappeared. For three and a half years, Elijah's been missing. Three and a half years he's been gone. Ahab has sent out messengers, sent out headhunters, went and talked to every nation nearby. Have you seen this man? You could see him on the milk cartons. You could see him on the post office uh, signs. They're looking for Elijah. But God has been hiding him. And God has been providing. And we've been watching is that, that before we could see these major miracles, we can see that Elijah depended on God for everyday miracles, for the everyday. He had to learn to depend on God. But now the time is finally here. Now God has opened up the door and has told Elijah, you need to go face Ahab. You need to go talk to Ahab. And let's see as this now unfolds. Look with me, if you don't mind, in the book of First Kings. The book of First Kings, chapter 18. And let's start in verse number 17. First Kings, chapter 18. And notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse 17. First Kings 18 and verse 17, the word of God says this. And it came to pass, when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send, and gather to me all the Israel unto the Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, four hundred and fifty, and the prophets of the groves, four hundred, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all of the children of Israel, and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people, and said, How long halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, Not. A word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I, only remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are four hundred and fifty men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay on the wood, and put no fire under, and I will dress the other bullock, and lay it on the wood, and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And the people answered and said, it is well spoken. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves, and dress it first. For ye are many, and call upon the name of your gods. 
but put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given unto them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of Baal from morning even unto noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he's talking, or he's pursuing, or he's in a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after the manner with knives and lancets, till blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass that midday was past that they prophesied unto the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. And there was neither voice nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. And Elijah said unto the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the son of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar, and great as wood contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order, and cut the bullock in pieces, and laid him on the wood, and said, Fill four barrels with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice, and on the wood. And he said, Do it the second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, Do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And water ran about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel. And I that I, thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell, and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, He is the God, the Lord, He is the God. And Elijah said to them, Take of the prophets of Baal, and let not one escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook of Kishron, and slew them there. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you notice something that Elijah states to the people in 1 Kings chapter number 18? The book of 1 Kings chapter 18, and notice as he asked them a question. In 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse number 21, he asked the people the question, How long halt ye between two opinions? How long halt ye between two opinions? And with the Lord's help, we're going to start with this question here. How long halt you between two opinions? If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. That you are a living God. I thank you that you are the God. 
as we approach this passage here, help people's faith in you to be renewed, to be revived. Maybe someone in here doesn't have faith in you, that today that they would be able to trust in you and depend upon you and that they can know you for themselves. I'm asking that you would draw all men near and that maybe there's someone that's riding the fence. They haven't decided that they were going to serve you. They haven't decided that they were going to go all out for you. They weren't deciding that you were going to be the God in their life, that today would be the day of decision. That day would be the day that they have decided they're going to follow you wholeheartedly, not half-heartedly. And that you would do something as you prove to them through your word, through history, that you are the God. Again, because this is such a big thing. This is such a mighty thing. It's much bigger than me. The best I know how, I surrender myself to you. I surrender my body, my thoughts, my ambitions, my goals, and I die to them. And ask that whatever you see fit, you do. Just fill me with your spirit. Use me as an instrument that you could get your own work and your own will accomplished today. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we approach this passage here, we could see this <laughs> important event, which covers quite a bit. Again, we've already said that three and a half years have passed. There's been a drought in the land and the people are pretty desperate. That Elijah's been the most wanted man. And they come and meet and they ask the, this question, how long halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. And if Baal, then follow him. Now that's a good question and a question that everyone's going to be asked one time or another. Who is God? And if God is God, are you going to follow him? Make a choice. You know, today we have a world where people have lots of gods. Lots of things that they worship. Lots of things that grab their attention. And I know I'm not going to be politically correct. We do live in a world that likes to say, well, everyone is entitled to their own belief. And whereas they have the right to believe whatever they want, what they believe may be wrong. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That in English is called the definite article. Jesus didn't say, I am a way, a truth, and a life. He says, I am the way. You understand, either, either the Bible is true and Jesus is God, or he's not a God at all. There is not many ways to heaven. And I understand our world does not like that message. But it is important because if there's only one way to heaven, then people need to know that there's only one way to heaven. You understand that their gods that they believe in are not personable. They do not answer prayer. They are not real. The God of Islam, Allah, is not real. The God of Buddha is not real. Confucius or he was real, but he doesn't answer prayers. That's what I mean by that. Buddha was real, but he doesn't answer prayer. He's not alive today. He's dead in the ground. You could go to the grave. All of these other religions out there, again, not politically correct, they do not bring people to heaven. And so Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And here we could see that people have been believing all these other different gods. And now it is time to prove who is the real God. You understand it's been three and a half years of preparation. God has been working with the people. And you understand that after three and a half years of drought, that was not enough to bring them to the Lord. 
they needed something else. And so if you don't mind, let's take this passage and open it up. And the very first thing I'd like to show you is the preparation to prove God. The preparation to prove God. So Elijah and Elisha meet together. And immediately notice what occurs in verse number 17. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Now whenever you're in the Bible, you could see this lifelong adage, Whenever anything goes wrong, blame the preacher. You see that over and over and over. By the way, you want to know what happens today? Whenever anything goes wrong, blame the preacher. People have in mind that if you could somehow discredit the preacher, you discredit his message. And so let me tell you what the message is. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if somehow I am ever discredited, that message will never change. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But Ahab says, it's your fault, Elijah. It's your fault that we're having all these problems. Well, Elijah's not one to take one sitting down. So he replies back, verse 18. And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that thou hast forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. He says, listen, it's not me, it's you. You are the one that's disobedient. You're the one that's not pleasing God. You're the one that's leading all the nation away from God. It is you, not me, that's causing these problems. Now, remember... Why doesn't Ahab just kill Elijah? I mean, if he's the one causing the problems, let's get rid of him. Because they need Elijah to pray. They need Elijah to bring the rain. So Elijah's kind of protected at the moment. And the reason why I say that is because Elijah's going to list some demands. And why in the world would Ahab listen to Elijah? Because he needs Elijah to pray. This is the only way it's going to work. So Elijah says, listen, let's, let's do this. Now therefore send and gather unto me all Israel unto Mount Carmel. All right, Ahab, first thing I want you to do, you gather all the Israel, all the Israelites, all the people of the northern nation, and you meet me at Mount Carmel. Now if you know where Mount Carmel is on your map, that if you see a map of Israel, north, in the northern part of Israel, there's a little landmass that juts out into the Mediterranean Sea. That's where Mount Carmel's at. So I want you to go and meet me at the coast. There's a mountain that's overseeing the Mediterranean Sea. Everyone gather there. Just meet me there. And then he goes on. And he says, <laughs> I want you to invite some folks. He says, now therefore sin and gather to me all the <laughs> Israel into Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal, 450. I want you to bring 450 prophets of Baal. But that's not all. I want you to bring... The prophets of the groves, 400. So 450 prophets of Baal. Then I want you to bring 400 prophets of the groves, which is of Ashtaroth and Ishtar. Basically, these are going to be Jezebel's personal priest, personal prophets. 850 prophets, you bring them all. We're going to have a good time. <laughs> now, he does not tell Ahab what they're going to do yet. He says, you bring them all. And so Ahab gathered the children of Israel and gathered the prophets of Baal unto Mount Carmel. Now, again, what Ahab thinks in his mind is that, all right, fine, everyone's going to go, Elijah's going to go and say, all right, let it rain, it's going to rain, and we'll put on a big show. But that's not what happens. Again, this is the reason why Ahab agreed to this. 
He just figured that Elijah was just looking for an audience to go ahead and pray. Let's make it happen. Fine, if that's what I have to do. But there was other plans in the making. So as the people are gathered, you can imagine Elijah's here. You got a choir of 450 prophets of Baal, another choir of 450 or 400 prophets of the grove, all the people that hate Elijah standing behind him. And Elijah looks as all the people are gathered in verse 21. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt you between two opinions? So he looks at the crowd and says, Listen here, why are you wiffle waffling? Why are you riding the fence? You know, the only thing that happens when you straddle a fence is you get torn britches. He says, pick a side. Pick a side. How long are you acting like there's not a real God? Well, I'll serve him and then I'll serve him and I'll do this. He says, if God be God, serve him. If Baal be God, serve him. Pick someone. Who is God? And you know what the people did? They answered him, not a word. Not a word. You know why? They didn't want to step out and say, well, I think God is God. I think Jesus is God. I may offend the 450 prophets of Baal. What are they going to think of me if I say that Jesus is the only way? I don't want to stand out and be the person that says, there's only one way to heaven. I don't want to step out. But you understand that's the problem. If people think there's many ways to go to heaven... And then they're wrong. They're not going to go to heaven. They can't receive forgiveness of sins. You see this is a big deal. A very big deal. And the saddest commentary. Is their answer. They answered him. Not a word. Pick a God. If God be God. Follow him. That's not unreasonable. If you believe that there's a real God in heaven. Why don't you serve him? If something else is God, why don't you serve them? Don't just keep riding the fence. Don't just riding along like there's no real God. Pick one and follow them completely. We have this problem even in Christianity. We have people who are truly born again, but they don't follow God like he's the only God. And all they can answer him was, not a word, not a word. So Elijah says, all right, fine. I can tell you need some convincing, so how about this? Let's prove which God is God. Let's pray. I'll have all these goofballs behind me. They can pray to their God, and I'll pray to my God, and the God that answers is the true God. Does that work? And they said, well said. We agree with that. You know what he's saying? He's saying, how do we prove that our God is real? By answer to prayers. Can you talk to God and get answers to prayer? You can. If you're a Christian, you know Jesus Christ. God wants to answer your prayers. And that is a proof to a lost world that our God is real. By the way, that's not unreasonable. If God is real, he should be able to answer prayers. So again, what we're seeing here is how can we tell a lost world that Jesus is the only way? Because he also answers prayer. Allah does not answer prayer. Again, not politically correct, but it is biblically correct. Confucius has never answered a prayer. Buddha, no Buddhist has ever claimed that Buddha has answered prayer. Praying to saints does not answer prayer. 
Jesus answers prayer because he is real. He is alive. I serve a living Savior. He's alive today. And so the people said, this is good. Let's do this. The God that answers prayer, he's the real God. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to have a God off. He says, let's pick. What we'll do is that we'll both have altars. We'll both build the altars. We'll both put bullocks on it. And then nobody gets fire. Nobody gets fire. No matches. Put the matches away. Put the lighter away. And all is going to be prayer. So you pray to your God. And I'll pray to my God. And the God that rains down fire. The one that answers prayer. That's the real God. That's a good deal. Let's find out which God is real. By the way, that took some faith. Have you ever rained down fire? I mean, this is a big prayer. I mean, this is stepping out by faith. Because if it doesn't work, he's going to look pretty foolish in front of everyone. But you know, God likes us to step up by faith and show that he's real. Open your mouth wide and I will feel it. I prayed this big prayer and look at what God did. The bigger the prayer the bigger a God that we have and the more people say, wow, that God is real. It is a way to show that our God is real. We have evidence. We have proof that our God is real. And so we start off with this preparation to prove God, which moves on. Now we have the actual trial to prove God. Notice as it now goes on, the people have agreed to the terms. Verse 24 again, uh, and call ye upon the name of your gods, and I will call upon the name of the Lord, and the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And the people said, <laughs> uh, answered and said, it is well spoken. So now we have the actual trial. Elijah says here, you guys go first. No matches, no fire, you set it up. And so the 450 prophets of Baal, that's a lot of people. They go and they set up this altar. And they put all the pieces and they, they put all the things. And they dress it. And they start early in the morning. So they gathered everybody in the morning. And they begin to call upon Baal. Oh, Baal! Baal! Hear us! But there was no voice. The Bible says. There was none that answered. They pray and there was no spark. There's nothing. They're dancing around. And then you know what these yahoos do? The Bible says that they started to jump upon the altar. Now I'm not going to jump. But they stand on their altar. Now let's think about this. What are they asking their God to do? They're asking their God to bring down fire on the altar. They're praying. Come on, Baal, bring down fire. And they're standing on the altar. And they do this from morning to noon. Doing prayers. And Elijah's just having a good time with it. Let's see how Elijah's enjoying himself. So you can imagine him. <laughs> In verse 27. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them. <laughs> good old Baptist preacher. Alright, come on. You've been doing this all day. Where's he at? Where is your prayers? Where is your God? He says, cry aloud, for he is a God. Come on, he's a God. You told me he's a God. Where's he at? Where's he at? Either he's talking. Hey, he's giving you the busy signal. You got a voice recording. He says, I'm on the line with someone else. Hey, I'm busy right now. I'm in a conversation. I'll be back to you whenever I get a chance. Where's he at? Elijah continues to mock them. He says, or maybe he's pursuing. Maybe he's running after something. Maybe he's running errands. He's at the grocery store. Where's he at? 
Come on, where's your God? Maybe he's on a journey. Is he on vacation? Where's he at? Oh, I know. He's sleeping. You need to yell louder because you need to wake him up. Where's he at? That probably doesn't help him. So now they start getting really desperate. So they're dancing around. There's some of them on the altar. And what happens? Verse 28. And they cry aloud and they cut themselves after the manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out on them. So now you get these fools who says, oh, come on, Baal. You can't make us look bad. He's laughing at us. And they take knives and they start cutting themselves. Blood's gushing all over the place. They're making a big spectacle. They're still standing on, come on, rain on fire. Come on. A big show from noon or from morning to noon. And then morning morning are from noon to the evening time they're gushing the blood's all over the place some of them are probably passing out by now they're tired everyone's now imagine all of israel's there watching think some of them are bored by now all right where's it at nothing you could see them every once in a while maybe some of them looking at a rock is there any spark yet and Trying to look for anything. Someone's trying to smuggle matches in. Nope. They're trying to do it. It's not working. Nothing. Elijah gave him plenty of time. I mean, when you're out in a crowd, there's 450 of them. Don't you think someone get a spark after all day of praying? Nothing. Nothing. Verse 29, it came to pass when midnight was passed. They prophesied at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. And there was neither voice nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. Nobody answered. Nobody cared. Nobody said hello back to them. There was not any answers to prayer. Nothing. Verse 30. And Elijah said unto all the people, come near to me. So after the 450 prophets of Baal put everyone to sleep, Elijah said, all right, guys, sit down. All right, wake up, come back, look at me now, guys. Come to me, come to me, let's watch this. And Elijah said unto the people, come near unto me. And all the people came near to him. And he repaired the broken uh, altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, of whom the word of the Lord came, and Israel shall be uh, thy name. And the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord and made a trench around the altar as great as it would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and the bullocks in order and put a lathe on the wood. And so here he builds this altar. Then after he builds the altar, he puts a big trench, just a deep trench. I'm sure people are like, what in the world is this crazy Baptist preacher doing? Digging around the trench here, big old hole, the altar's there. And he said, all right, come on guys. And he says, you know what? I want you to know that there's no tricks. There's no magic tricks. There's nothing here. So let's go ahead and get some water. And so we asked him to go get four barrels. And to say, let's bring them down. Now, <laughs> this is pretty amazing. He says, go get some barrels of water. Some big barrels. Now, I want you to remind that they're in the middle of a drought. Water is scarce. They're looking for water. But it just so happens that down the mountain is a big body of water called the Mediterranean Sea. So where did they get the water? They went down. So, hey, go grab four barrels of water and go get it. So you had the guys to go pick up the barrels. They go down the mountain, all the way down, go to the Mediterranean Sea, pick up the barrels, come back. And they said, all right, we got them. What do you want to do with them? Pour them on the altar. Okay, so four barrels. 
And Elijah says, you know what? I don't think it's wet enough. Not wet enough. Go get four more. So back down the mountain they go. Go get the barrels of water. Come back up the mountain. Come up and they pour it down. Elijah said, I don't think that's wet enough. Go get four more. So they go back down the mountain. Go get the water. Come back up the mountain. Dump it up there. Now let's see, you math students. Four barrels of water. Three times. How many barrels of water did they get? Twelve. Good. You passed the math test today. Let's add you some more math. Let's imagine that these barrels, I don't know how much they were, but a common weight for barrels at that time was about 30 gallons. With 30 gallons filled up with water, that would be 250 uh, pounds of water. For each trip that was 1,000 gallons or 1,000 pounds of water put on the water. That's 1,200 gallons. Sorry, 120 gallons for the first trip. And then another trip that's uh, 240. The third trip, 360 gallons of water. That's 3,000 pounds of water that is poured over this altar. And Elijah says, I think it's wet enough. And so what Elijah does is he prays. Now these goofballs have prayed from morning to noon to evening. And they've prayed not a spark. There's 450 of them and nothing. Elijah goes and he prays a prayer of about 61 words. 61 words, that's it. And notice what happened, verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. And it consumed the wood. And then it consumed the stones. And then the dust. And licked up the water that was in a trench. Now, a, a 360 gallon tank is a pretty big tank. And all the water was evaporated. You know how hot it has to be for stones to be evaporated? It's pretty hot. And so he says, this isn't just a magic trick. This isn't the idea that I lit a fire and I have some great water resistant wood. The fire came from heaven and as an impossibility, it was so hot it melted everything. It was gone. Guess who won? The God that answered prayer. That's what happened. It came down. How did the people get convinced? How was it? What was the whole purpose of this? Which God answered prayer. That was what it was. They prayed and Elijah prayed. And only one of them had their prayers answered. Why? Because there's only one God that's alive. One God that is real. Which brings us to this last one. The verdict of proving God. The verdict of proving God. So God has proved that he is a living God. He is a living Savior. He can hear and answer prayers. So now Elijah goes back to the people. Before he said, which one is God? Pick one. And they answered him not a word. After seeing the answer to prayer. Now let's go back. Who is God? Verse number 39. And when the people saw it, they fell on their face and they said, The Lord, He is, notice this, 
He is the God. Notice they're using the definite article here. There is only one God. He is the God. He isn't just a God. He isn't just a God that answers. He is the God. And the Lord. He is the God. Again, they're using a different article. The same idea that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. There is only one way and it is through the God of the Bible. There is no other way. And how can we prove it to a lost and dying world? By answers to prayer. So much that even the lost world can say, Their God answers prayer. Their God answers prayer. That's how they're going to be convinced that our God is real by answers to prayer. So let me take a little pause. Are you seeing answers to prayer? Are you praying and watching God answer? Are you answer, getting prayers answered so much that a lost and dying world can say, Their God answers prayer? You can and you should. It starts with a personal knowledge of Jesus Christ, of knowing whom God is. Do you know who Jesus is? Do you know for sure? For people to believe that our God is real, they must see this. This is the proof of it. And when that happens, when you know that God is real, you need to serve Him with all of your life, all of your soul, all of your heart. There doesn't need to be another little G God in your life. You need to be praying to the God of the Bible. Because there's only one. Now I've mentioned several times that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh to the Father but by me. What do we mean by that? Well, we understand that Jesus is God and he robed himself in flesh and came and dwelt among us. That Jesus lived the same life that you and I lived, whether the same temptations, the same troubles, or the same heartbreaks. But he died on a cruel cross. Why would Jesus die? Who was God? Why would he die? Because the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. We deserve to die because of our sin. You say, well, what's a sin? Anything that we've done to break God's law. Remember, God has something called the Ten Commandments. The Bible says, thou shalt not bear false witness. Don't tell lies. We've broken that commandment. And we deserve death. That is why Jesus died. The Bible says in the Ten Commandments to honor thy father and thy mother. We would say obey your folks. Well because we've broken that law we deserve death. And that's why Jesus died. You understand the fact that Jesus died on the cross proves that there's an awful place called hell. Because if there was another way to go to heaven Jesus said well I don't want to die why don't you just do that. But because he died it showed it was the only way to have forgiveness of sins. The good thing is, is that Jesus didn't stay dead. But he rose again the third day. And when he rose again, it proved two things. It proved that, first of all, that Jesus was God. And it proved that God was satisfied with the payment that Jesus made. Jesus paid the price. And God was satisfied with it. And we can have forgiveness of sins because we serve a living Savior. How do I know that I serve a living Savior? Well, of course, we know that he rose again. But how can I explain to someone today that an event that happened 2,000 years ago that he's still alive? By answers to prayer. We can show a lost and dying world. Our God lives. 
Now, if you believe your God lives, you need to follow it up by following him. It's one thing to say, sure, I believe in God. It's another thing to follow him, to obey him, to listen to him. That is part of backing up your message. I believe that they believe that God is real because they have answers to prayer, but because they live like it too. Who is God? How long halts you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, serve him. That's the simple message that Elijah said. And he says, how do we prove him? By answers to prayer. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you could give us a call at area code 920 920- Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.